Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Most Famous Woman in the World podcast with me, your host, Crystal Colley, also known by my producer name, the Most Famous Woman in the World. So today I can't help but weigh in on the Titan sub-disaster, and I was going to just leave it alone, but... You know what? I told myself that I'm going to be doing these podcasts every day. And so here's my thoughts and opinions on this whole thing, which, first of all, I want to say condolences to the family. I can't imagine what they are going through right now and have gone through over this last week. But in case you guys have been living under a rock. There was a small deep sea submersible created by a private company called OceanGate, which was uh, founded by a man named Stockton Rush. And basically this little sub, which uh, could hold, I believe, five people, was never certified by safety authorities and safety bodies that regulate, uh, you know, I guess they're called oceanic vessels. Um, it was never, it never passed safety inspections. It was never, it was never inspected. It was never licensed to even be in the water. So, I mean, where do I even start with this? So the, the CEO, Stockton Rush, was warned repeatedly that he should not put human beings into this vessel. And he was warned by multiple safety regulatory agencies as well as other uh, CEOs of other um, companies similar to him or in the same similar industry. There were people that told him, you are going to kill someone. You want, you want, you're doing, you, you have a death wish. People told him to please stop and not put any human beings into this vessel. And Stockton Rush, the CEO of OceanGate, dismissed all of their warnings as them trying to stop him from getting into the industry. And so what I have to say about this is the only thing we can do at this point is analyze what happened in order to not make those same mistakes again, ever, for anyone on the planet. That is the potentially only positive that could come out of this whole situation. And so, and of course, I'm sure everybody is thinking this, but hey, you know what, I had to do my freaking podcast today. So this this, this is what the podcast is about, you guys, okay? If you want to hear my, uh, my, more formal podcast about finances and business, you got to go to Millionaire Mentor Method podcast. This is just my crystal makes it up off 
the seat of her pants podcast. So, okay, first of all, anytime you are going on any type of potentially dangerous adventure in the world, so I'm talking about helicopter flight companies, zip lining companies, submarine companies, deep sea fishing companies, uh, African safari companies. You get the idea. Anytime you're doing something adventurous, please, please, please do your due diligence and make sure that first of all, that the company is licensed properly. Ask to see their licenses. Make sure those licenses are up to date. You can even check on whichever licensing agency uh, there is. You can check usually on their website or, or by giving them a phone call days or weeks before you go on your adventure to make sure that they have a good safety record. I know we all want to wing it and we and and I'm guilty of this too of kind of believing that we're immortal and invincible and that everything's going to be fine and you know hopefully that is the case but we want to also be prudent and realize that a lot of these companies are just out there to make a buck. Uh, and actually, I would say all of the companies are out there to make a buck. And that's all good and well. I, I am a capitalist. I love business. I love small businesses. But along with that often comes cutting corners and, uh, you know, maybe not taking all of the safety precautions that should be taken because there might be a, who knows, there might be a CEO or a CFO or a manager or somebody in that company that is just thinking, oh, we can cut, cut this little cost here. Oh, we could cut this little cost over here. We could do this. We could do that. Uh, if a company does not have a good safety record, they're going to try to cover that up, of course. So, you know, at least do, at least do a Google search. Um, here's my story of that. Uh, a few years ago, full disclosure, I was going to get, uh, boobies. <laughs> I was going to get, uh, breast augmentation. I ended up not going through with it, mainly because I, so I went to the initial consultation with a surgeon in, um, in Orange County. And, you know, you think, you know, Orange County, you know, it's, it's one of the wealthiest areas in the world with some of the best plastic surgeons in the world. Um, I read all kinds of great reviews about this surgeon, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And I ended up, so I went to the consultation. I wasn't really thinking, you know, anything of it. I, I, you know, I thought, oh, I read the reviews. I saw the befores and afters. I like his work, you know, um, everything's all good and gravy. So I put my down payment down. It was like 1200 bucks or 1500 bucks, something like that. And I went home and I immediately went, oh my God, I need to check his license. Um, you know, and, and do a little bit more deeper dive, which I should have done that before I gave the deposit. Yes. But I, I honestly, I just, I don't know. I forgot or something. I, I just, I wasn't worried about it. I wasn't, you know, yeah, I just, I wasn't worried about it. Um, went home and went, you know what, let me just do my due diligence. Do, 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 do. Checked on this guy a little bit further, checked on this doctor further and found out that unfortunately someone had died on his table uh, rather recently. And uh, this was during a BBL, which is a Brazilian butt lift, which then I did more research on that and I found out that any surgeon who cares about humans not dying and about safety do not do BBLs because of how risky they are. So just a background on BBLs, the reason why they're so risky is because the patient can, can, can contract something called a fat embolism which is really bad. And I, I'm not a doctor, so I need to be, I should have actually Googled this before I did this podcast, but I wasn't thinking I was going to go in this direction. But the whole point is a fat embolism is really bad. Um, I believe it's when fat, when a chunk of fat breaks off and goes into your bloodstream. Um, and I think it causes cardiac arrest. Um, I'm going to Google this right now just to make sure I'm actually saying it right. But the whole point of the matter is somebody had died on his table. And rather recently before I had gone into him to, to, uh, to get this surgery. So do your due diligence, please. Okay, let's, let's, let's make sure Crystal said what a fat embolism is, is right. A fat embolism is when one or more droplet-like particles of fat enters your bloodstream and blocks circulation. Yes, okay, so right. So it, it blocks your blood circulation, okay? So with, now back to the Titan submersible, I know I'm getting off track. <laughs> this submarine was controlled by a little like Nintendo 64 game controller that you can buy on Amazon for like $29.99. We're talking about a deep sea, what, what is supposed to be, what was supposed to be a deep sea exploration submersible that needed to be able to withstand, I don't know how many 
gajillions of metric tons of weight smashing on top of it from the weight of the water of the ocean. Okay, like this, something that can withstand that type of pressure, which is, I can't even imagine, I can't fully grasp how much pressure that actually is. I mean, uh, what was it? They were, they were um, to get down to the, uh, to the Titanic, you have to go, you have to travel down, straight down into the freaking ocean for two and a half hours. Down, straight down. Can you imagine how much water that is on top of you? You're, you're traveling into the freaking ocean for two and a half hours down. Like I can't even, I can't fully comprehend what the, how that's even possible. This earth is crazy people. And this thing is being controlled by something that you could buy at GameStop for $20? Like, people, people, please, if you see something, say something. <laughs> if something doesn't look right to you, you need to say something. You need to investigate that. I mean, maybe they just thought... Oh, this guy is really creative. You know, he's, you know, maybe he's a tech genius and wow, you know, he made his own sub and he's controlling the whole thing with just an N64 GameStop controller. You know, like who knows really what, what they thought. And, you know, I mean, I could, I could almost like, I, I'm not going to lie. I could almost see myself thinking that same thing, like seeing the controller and then thinking like, oh, you know, he's, he must be a genius, you know, or I don't know, you know, honestly, I don't know. But the whole point is that little sub was not certified to be in the water, to be in the ocean and to be carrying human beings. So, you know, if they would have done I'm assuming just a simple check with any kind of regulatory body. Hey, you know, call up. Hey, is is OceanGate authorized to be sending down this little sub with human beings in it? Let me see your license to do this. Let me see where, you know, this this little thing was, you know, where it passed its safety checks. I mean, supposedly the guy that was on board was a billionaire. He could have just had his assistants look into that. So, again, my heart really goes out to the families and to everyone that was on board. I'm pretty sure that situation that they had to deal with at the end of their life is everyone's worst nightmare. I really couldn't imagine a worse nightmare than that. Like that's pretty much as bad as it gets. 
and it makes me want to build up some good karma because that it's so it's so bone chillingly terrifying that it almost makes you want to just stay in bed and not even get out of bed and just like nope I'm not getting out of bed like ever again in life I'm just gonna stay here and not do anything ever again you know like that the terror I mean it's crazy this guy this CEO Stockton Rush needs needs to be put away for a long time and hopefully that can set an example to other CEOs of companies to you know to not it's not always about you know sometimes when people let me back up let me back up because I, I love startups. I love the startup environment. I'm very involved in the startup environment. Uh, I have an incubator that works with young people called Genius Incubator. And I'm, I'm thinking of Elizabeth Holmes right now, which, you know, she kind of did the same thing, which is in the startup world, it is sometimes challenging to discern between someone giving you just genuine advice and good advice and good criticism and, and, and trying to actually help you and steer you in the actual correct way and someone who is just a negative Nancy or in this case, Stockton Rush apparently believed that everyone, which I'm still like, but the, the regulatory bodies, you know, the, the agencies that classify, um, that, that license vessels, like they, they, you know, they don't have any skin in the game, right? Like they're not like, you know, they weren't trying to like be a hater, right? Um, so it kind of doesn't make sense on that, but um, other people who did warn him, he seemed like he was just kind of like, oh, you're just a hater, you know? Um, they weren't just haters. They were actually trying to tell him, bro, you're, you're going to kill someone. This is not a joke. We're not just saying that you're going to kill someone. You're actually going to kill someone. Um, you know, you have to somehow develop a decision-making framework for yourself and this goes for all of life, and, and I'm actually still working on my decision-making framework for myself just in general in life, and also working on these types of frameworks for people who I mentor in the Genius Incubator, which is you have to have pre, uh, pre-constructed methods as to how you make decisions. So there's, and of course, you know, there's going to be two basic categories of that, right? One, one category of that is your personal life. How are you going to make decisions as, as, uh, from first principles and then separately, uh, how, if you're in business, how will you make business decisions regardless of 
the details of those decisions. So, for example, let's just take, take this, this situation as an example. Ocean Gate and Stockton Rush should have had a decision-making method or framework or principle, decision-making decision principles uh, in place long before anything was built, before any type of prototyping was done. And in that decision-making method, in that framework that should have been constructed, should have been that human safety is always the number one priority above everything else, including profits, including, you know, uh, headlines and innovation, uh, hubris. Human safety should have always been the number one priority, the number one deciding factor on all subsequent decisions in that company, period. And seeing what happened, I know for a fact he didn't have a uh, decision-making uh, framework. There's no, there's no way he could have possibly had it. And if he did have it, well, he didn't, he didn't look at it. He didn't go, he didn't abide by it. Uh, you know, th that type of framework would be, I, I call these types of things CEOing 101. That's CEOing 101. If you're going to have a helicopter company, you're going to have a aerospace company like I do, you're going to have a deep sea exploration company, you're going to have a tiger petting company, an alligator watching company, ocean, I don't know, whale watching, whatever thing. Zip lining is another good example I used before. Uh, hunting, shooting, whatever type of company that could potentially have risks involved, your number one framework for anything that you're doing should always be that human safety comes first. Um, I mean, I would, I would assume, which clearly this is not the case, but I would assume, or how, how I would approach a company like OceanGate would be that I would be proud to show off my certifications for my sub that I built. I would be like, you know, when I got those pieces of paper, I'd be like hanging from the rafters like, we did it, we did it, we got certified, you know? Like that should have been not some kind of like, oh, the regulatory bodies are just the man, they're trying to get me, you know, and they're trying to not let me be a deep sea explorer. Like it shouldn't have been that. It should have been, I mean, I, I would think a number one goal for any type of company like that. Like that would be, you know, uh, for me, that'd be like popping champagne bottles with my, with my teammates when we got certified, you know, like that would be such a, a huge milestone. Uh, wow. So, so, I just, I have no idea where this guy's brain was. I mean, like, is he on, was he on crack? Like, honestly, it's, it's so horrible um, to even think about. Like, where was this guy's brain at? Um, 
but you know, anyways, you can also do that with your personal life as well. You know, um, decision, decision making frameworks. I actually don't even know if that's actually what they're called, but that's, that's how I think of them, which is frameworks that are already put in place before situations pop up. So an example of a decision making framework for your personal life. And this one comes from a therapist that I used to go to, which is, and this was his, one of his decision-making frameworks for his personal life, which was, if I put my hands on my partner or my partner puts his or her hands on me, the relationship is over with no questions asked and no, no, no arguing, no explanations, no, let's talk about it. No, let's think about it. No, let's try one more time. No, not at all, at all. That was a decision-making framework he had put in place in his life that was a non-negotiable. And so if, and, and I adopted his you know, I adopted that for my life as well. Simple. It makes it very simple. That way, if ever a situation like that comes up, if I put my hands on my partner or my partner puts his hands on me, and by putting hands, I mean hitting each other people. I don't mean putting hands like regular, okay? Like, if I hit him or he hits me, it's over. There's not going to be an argument. There's not going to be a phone call. There's not going to be a, oh, well, let's just, I need closure. Let's talk about it. Let's, let's talk about it over coffee. No, there's nothing to talk about. There's, no, there's not going to be another word exchanged at that point. If that ever happens ever in my life, that's going to be police are called and I will never speak to that person again and that person will never speak to me again. That, and we will never see each other or be in each other's vicinity ever again in life on the planet. That's a decision-making framework. So, you know, um, it's good. It's good. And, you know, there's, there's other ones that you can do too, right? I mean, you could put any kind of frameworks that you want anywhere in your life. It's probably better. It's probably best if you write them down, right? So that way you don't forget them. But, um, you know, some, some other ones that I have are, um, you know, sometimes like for, for things that I want versus need. So uh, that's, that's a decision-making framework right there, right? So it's things that I need always comes before things that I want. And even though that sounds like duh when you actually say it, it's not always that easy to see when you're actually going about your life and things are coming up and and life is happening because you know maybe your your budget is x amount but you see the shiny new whatever thing you see the shiny new iphone or the the new shoes or the new whatever and you just think i want it without thinking, actually, I need new tires on my car, or I need 
I don't know, I need to get my kid braces or I need to enroll in a, in a course and that's going to cost me X, Y, and Z and I'm saving for that. So, <sighs> all right, guys, it's very late. I love you all. Peace and love. If you want to connect with me, you can go to crystalcauley.com. I am either most famous woman in the world or the most famous woman in the world everywhere. I'm kind of teeter-tottering between my Crystal Kali handle and my most famous woman in the world handle. I don't really know how I'm moving forward with that, but we shall see. And until then, bye.